The A-List Podcast, co-hosted by A. Sherrod Blakely and Corny A. Lunas, is brought to you by BetUS.com. Welcome into the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined by A. Sherrod Blakely. Welcome back to another week of our podcast, Sherrod. I'm just glad to, I'm just glad we're here. Uh, I'm just I'm just glad to be here. This has been one of the just most bizarre weeks I've had in a while. Uh, I've had luggage issues. I've had getting folks out of New Orleans issues. Oh, yeah. I've had just trying to get back on the East Coast from L.A. issues. And so I'm literally glad that this is my I might be more happy to be with you, Quanny, than I've been in a long time. Well, that's this is sort of kind of normal what we do. And are you saying that you don't like talking normal. to me? <laughs> this is kind of normal. This week okay. has been anything but normal. Okay, but this keeps the sanity. This keeps the sanity, the level-headedness, and just good vibes. Good okay. vibes. I could do with that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, it seems like there's not a whole lot going on, but at the same time, there kind of is. In what um, world are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. I, and I'm thinking the sports world. Yes. Uh, and I ain't talking about Shakari Richardson with her beef with Allison Felix, which again, I got my own personal feelings about that. Um, we're not gonna talking about you know Kanye's new album Donna, but we will get into that. Okay. I think we do need to talk about that. Okay. What have about Cam? Have you listened to it yet? I have multiple Ooh. times. Okay. Okay. Then we definitely got to get into that. Uh, I've, listened to it. I've listened to it more than once. Uh, okay. Some songs I could only stomach. Yes. Listen to, Agreed. slash, consume just once, and okay. that might be once. And frankly, it's one time. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get. Into I'm with Kanye. you. We'll save that for later. So we'll stick save around. Kanye for down the road. <laughs> but I wanted to talk a little bit about just Marcus Smart. Okay. Uh, we've already talked about the money. Shout out to Marcus Smart, big money, Marcus Smart for getting that bag. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about just his tenure with the Celtics. It's the longest of anyone on the team, and as it turns out, it's among the longest of any player current yeah. on their respective team. And I, I guess I wasn't sure Marcus would be here this long, to be honest with you. Um, I've always thought he had a lot of value to the Celtics. I thought his value outside of the Celtics might be a little bit greater than it has turned out to be. But yeah. I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, did you, when Marcus Smart was, was drafted, you know, years ago, uh, did you anticipate he'd still be in the Celtics here like seven, eight years later? Absolutely not. When you look at players that stay with their teams for a long period of time, you think about Kobe, you think about so many different other players, but you don't think about Marcus Martin. This isn't any shade towards him, but he's not necessarily an NBA superstar type. And usually those are, I've noticed, have been the type of players that stick around with a team for a long period of time. So the fact that he has stayed around, clearly shows that he is of value to this team. He's often been referred to as the heart and soul of the roster of the Celtics. So it makes sense. But from a visual external standpoint, anyone else that watches the NBA would not think in a trivia question that Marcus Smart would be the answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's only a handful of guys in the NBA. You're talking about guys like, you know, Steph Curry. Uh, mm -hmm. Who've been with their friend Udonis Haslam down in Miami? Guys right, he's still in the league. <laughs> right. Well, Udonis, he's still collecting checks. But here's right. the thing: Udonis is a special situation because he's from Miami, played at Miami, and mm -hmm. is playing for his literally his hometown team. And he has turned down a number of big money offers elsewhere. 
to stay in Miami. So he's a little bit different. And, and Steph Curry, you know, speaks for himself. Why would you even contemplate like that? <laughs> well, Marcus Smart is, is a unique individual because Marcus, he's a glue guy. And teams mm. typically look at glue guys as interchangeable pieces, parts that you may be sticking, you may be the glue guy from this team, but that glue ain't quite as sticky as it used to be. So maybe you'll be a better glue guy putting that picture together out with that team. And he's been able to, to stay here, and he ranks among the franchise leaders in a number of, and people are surprised by this, a number of offensive categories, including the three ball, uh, which is something so that, much. you know, <laughs> when you think about all-time great three-point shooters in Celtics history, Marcus is probably not going to come to mind right away, but he ranks among the, the franchise leaders in threes taken, or at least threes made. Uh, and, and and obviously steals and things like that. So he's shown himself to be someone that can impact the game. Uh, but obviously his bread and butter in this league is defense. That's that's mm-hmm. what got him in the league. That's what's got him notoriety as an NBA player. And that's what's going to, frankly, be the difference between uh, this Celtics team exceeding expectations, which aren't that high, even with all the moves they've made, or just being a team that's going to barely get into the playoffs and probably get bounced in the first round. Um, but – I guess what, what Marcus, I, I think about where's what's the next level for him? Because we're always talking about players and what not just what they can do, but what can they do going forward? And with Marcus, I'm a little unsure of what's that next level for him. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what, what you think about just what's the next you know, mile marker that Marcus Smart can, can pass and still be you know, a high-impact player for this, this team. For one, it would have to be consistency on defense. As you mentioned, he does lead the team usually when it comes to locking down players. But I think the other factor, and this is what fans usually get frustrated the most about, is cleaning up his shot. He's not known as a shooter for this team, but if he were to step up and really wanted to expand his game, I think being consistent, shooting all those threes, would have to be the the factor I think that a lot of fans would look at because we know that he can – do what he needs to do on defense. He's always motivated enough to do so, but it really comes down to just figuring out a way to make sure his shot is consistent. When you give him the ball, fans aren't freaking out because they're, they don't know whether or not he's going to make it, which I've noticed over the last few seasons. It's always been like, why does Marcus have the ball? And then if he makes it, it's a good thing. But obviously if he misses, then everyone's upset that he ended up getting the last chance look. So I would say cleaning up his shot overall. I'm curious to see how things are going to play out this year because on more than one occasion, new head coach Ime Yudoka has made mention of wanting the ball to be in Marcus's hands more, mm-hmm. to be a facilitator. And yeah. he's been very clear about that. Mm-hmm. In his hands more, to be a facilitator. And when you look at the type of talent that they're starting to surround Tatum and Brown with, there are more weapons of guys who can make shots. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how Marcus embraces that role. Because to me, you know, Marcus has the ability to be a very good playmaker. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's a strong defender. He's going to wear down whoever he's guarding. So they're not going to be nearly as effective offensively. And if he's getting guys ball in spots where they can be effective, he becomes a much tougher player to defend. And as much as it may people cringe at times when he's shooting threes, I would say for me, and again, this is just me, I'm not as bothered by him taking the threes that he does for the most part, yeah. because typically he balances that out with elite play at the other end of the floor. 
I thought last season, I thought it was a little bit too many shots, not enough elite play defensively to balance mm-hmm. that out. And if you're not a great shooter uh, and you're supposed to be an elite defender and you're not having that kind of impact, I think you need to turn the dial to the left a little bit and turn back mm-hmm. your shots. Focus on what you were good at at the yeah, beginning. I mean, do do what you do. Yeah. I mean, th- there's a reason why you've got like seven, eight figures in a bank. And it ain't because you shoot threes. It's because you <laughs> – defend the hell out of the ball yeah um, that's valid so Marcus I'm looking to be more of a playmaker and they're going to need that because there's another Celtic or I should say former Celtic mm-hmm. who is a very good playmaker at least at one point he was one of the best in the game a young man who's not so young anymore by the name of Rajon Rondo yeah. who it looks all indications are and I, I don't know if it's been official yet but it looks like he's going to wind up back with the Lakers, uh, yeah. uh, which, again, for them, it's a great pickup because that's a proven veteran, can do a lot of things, particularly from a playmaking standpoint, which takes a lot of the pressure off LeBron James, who mm-hmm. is, you know, that team's – he's really their point guard. Everything. So, <laughs> I, I was asked this question by, by a buddy of mine, and, and I thought it was a good question. Should the Celtics have made a stronger push to bring in Rondo, to bring him mm-hmm. back? And I wanted to ask you that question because I got I got my own thoughts on that. Um, but I'm curious what you what you're thinking about potential Rajon Rondo return. I actually thought about that when I saw that he was released and was curious as to whether or not Brad Stevens would be interested. But from a basketball standpoint, I think he is definitely a point guard that you want on your bench. But then from a historical standpoint and the interactions I've heard that he's had when he was here in Boston, I'm not sure if that would be a fit. That's not to say that he may not have grown and matured and evolved as a person, but I could understand if they n- didn't bring him back for personality reasons, because I did hear some things within like media and other people that have been close to the team during the time that he was here. But overall, I do think basketball wise, he is a point guard. You want on your bench, as I mentioned. And right now it would be ideal for the Celtics to have a player like that, especially because, For one, fans are really big on loyalty. Even Isaiah Thomas, him still having these injuries, but still also dropping buckets and all that. I I understand that it's pro-am usually games, but either way, people are loyal to the the players that have been here in the past. So if he had signed with Boston, I'm sure he would have been embraced in the same way Isaiah Thomas would be, in the same way really anyone that has shown or given to this organization in the way those two have. But it also makes sense for the Lakers to pick him back up well, at a cheaper rate. I, I'm just going, going to put it right out there right now. Yeah, I did not want to see Rondo back in the Celtics uniform. For what reason? Did not want to see it. I just didn't think it would work. I, okay. I think Rondo, he's at a point in his career where the only thing that really matters is competing for a championship. And the Celtics are not that built for that. And if mm-hmm. they're not built to win a championship and they're not going to pay you big bucks, what the hell exactly are you going to be doing in town? That's a really and good point. To me – having him back would have been more of a detriment than a benefit. Yep. And, and that, yep. For a first time NBA head coach to have to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, Stevens, he saw firsthand what it's like as a first time mm-hmm. having to deal with Rondo. That yeah. Is, yeah. That is not, and, and this Rondo is wiser than that Rondo was maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit more humble, but not humble enough to where he's going to join a team that That's a, really good might, point. a team that, who ceiling may be just getting home court in the first mm-hmm. round of the playoffs. I don't see the I don't see there being much upside to Rondo coming back. And, and frankly, 
I like the idea of giving Marcus Smart a chance to prove himself as a point guard on a more full-time facilitator type basis. Because, right. I mean, how many times have we seen Marcus Smart wind up with the ball with three seconds on a shot clock? Because Tatum, Kyrie, Jalen, Al, they didn't want to take that shot. Yeah, I mean, and he's like, he's fearless. He'll take the shot. Like, he's like, all right, if y'all ain't going to shoot the pill, I'm, okay. I will. I will. I don't yeah. mind. And, and so – I want to see what he can do when he has more control of the offense to be a facilitator, to mm. set guys up and not have to worry so much about scoring. Because even though as much as we talk about Marcus Smart and how he's got to be a great defender, he's got to impact the game at that end of the floor, there's a part of him that still feels the need that he has to get buckets. And not like Jason Tatum, 27 a game buckets, yeah. but more so- like keep the defense honest if I'm wide open, and if I make one, I might take a couple of heat check shots. Yeah. I don't think he's feeling that vibe right now because he's got a coach who's just saying, look, I need you to be a point guard yeah. to facilitate to get them boys good shots. You do that, we're good. We yeah. are going to be good. You need to get your money taken care of? Brad, take yeah. care of the man, get him his money so we can be good. You did if that? anything, yeah, he should see that as a good thing, though, because – that takes the pressure off of him having to make those clutch shots and puts a little more pressure off, obviously, on Jalen and Jason. But if he's able to set them up for a good play, then it's a win-win. They obviously are clear to do what they need to do, which yeah. is win. Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we go any further, uh-huh. listen uh-huh. up, sports bettors. That kind of rhyme. I didn't even mean that, but it did. Uh, yeah. This is H. Rob Blakely here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's Bet US. Football is back. Should be first game uh, in about a week, week and a half from now. And it's time to get in on the action. Uh, I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. That's like just a little bit older than you, Kwani. Just a little yeah, bit older than you. Wow. Just a little bit. Wink, wink. Just a little no, bit. Younger. Younger, you mean. Younger. No, I mean, I, no, I mean older. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give you a compliment, bro. I'm trying I to hook you up. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're, getting, you're going to get paid, and that's what they do. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. I was on there earlier today to get in on some WNBA action. You can get in on some future NBA action. Uh, lots, of, lots of stuff there. Uh, you can call today at 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US. Or you can just check them out on the website at betus.com, and they'll walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses. Let's join now, and you can get up to 200 in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. Go now to BetUS.com. Join BetUS.com today and start betting with America's favorite sports book. That's BetUS.com, where the game begins. And when you talk about where the game begins. Wait, before you continue, though, you mentioned the WNBA. I just wanted the listeners to know that I went to my first WNBA game. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The Connecticut Sun, LA Sparks. The sun won. Oh, so you you wait till LA come to town to go to your first one. That's what you No. So what had happened was when my friends got free tickets, we went to the game. We get to the section that we were. It's kind of nosebleeds, even though 
seats aren't really bad in arenas that small. And then this lady comes up to us. What you about to do? Right, and just like binoculars. This before tip off, this lady comes up to us and she's like, "Hey, do you want to sit in row section 14? And I'm like, "Um, sure, it's closer." And we were like maybe five rows behind the bench, or maybe ten rows behind the bench. But I could virtually hear what was being said, which was pretty cool. So I got some good seats. Well, the (laughs) the thing that most people don't realize about like WNBA games is like you have the opportunity to be much closer to the action. Yes, exactly. And a lot of what you hear is the stuff that you would hear in an NBA game. Exactly. I mean, Courtside they, was 160 for that game, which wasn't bad if you right. think about it. Yeah, and they go at each other hard. I mean, not yes, just in terms of their play, but in terms of their, their, their game. They talk yes. game. They talk yeah. mad game. One of, one of my favorite WNBA players of all time is Swin Cash, who is a front office executive with the New Orleans Pelicans now. And when she was in Detroit, I would go to their games all the time. And uh, Swin, hell of a player. Uh, I wound up, and I don't, and this is just completely random and has nothing to do with anything. You have definitely told me this story, so I'm gonna. Yeah, just I wound up not, and I had my daughter with me, yeah. who was like maybe five or six at the time, or something like that. And we wound up with not one, but two Swin Cash sweatbands. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I have never smelled a sweeter sweatband than those. Oh my god! Swin, please Swin, do not put out a restraining Swin's order against him. game. Basketball game is strong, but fragrance game even stronger, even stronger. Not creepy at all. Definitely not creepy at all. I have a daughter. It would have been creepy if I was there. You said you told her, right? Creepy. You said you told her this. I did. Me me and Swin had a conversation. She has a restraining order. You just don't know. Don't tell me that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to lose like soon, and I would be very disappointed if I I knocked on the door and then they're just like, "Uh, "You are Uh, not." <laughs> Come with me. No, there's good people. Good people. Hell of a player. Uh, should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, in my opinion. That's just me talking. I mean, but, um, yeah. the thing about we're, we're talking about an awesome, awesomely great player, and mm-hmm. for the Celtics, they got a pretty good one in this kid, Jason Tatum. Uh, it's no secret that Tatum, his idol coming up, was Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. and so with Kobe's. Uh, you know, uh, birthday recently coming to pass. Uh, the first, his first birthday since his, his, his death. Uh, Tatum went to dedicating a t- new tattoo to Kobe. And I'm a little torn. Like, I love the fact that he has that, what I, I call that North Star of a player that he's shooting to be like. And I know it's Kobe, and Kobe's a great player, mm-hmm. but he's a Laker. And there's a little part of me that feels a little bit queasy about that love that he has for Mr. Laker. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, that's my own personal hangup. I, I would hope that others don't feel that way, but I kind of feel mm-hmm. that way. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, first, I think it, it would be his second birthday since his passing because it was February of 2020. Okay. But to your point, I understand what you mean, especially when that Boston LA rivalry is so strong. Yeah. But I know it's his idol. I know. Who tragically passed. I know. I understand what and you I mean. Feel bad about I, that. It's a it's a slippery slope when you think about fandoms and the way people take their fandom ship yeah. fandom, fandom very seriously. But this is I think he gets a pass for this one. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I want to give him a pass, and I, I probably will. But there, there's still a part of me just like, but damn, 
of all the people in the world that you could have as your hero, you picked the one he, cat you trained the with franchise that absolutely despises right, the franchise you play for. But I get it. It be I like that it. sometimes. It, it it definitely be like that sometimes. <laughs> and and another thing that be like that sometimes is uh, the Coach of the Year Award. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, Ime Yudoka hasn't coached a game yet, so no one really knows how he's going to fare. He's kind of somewhere in the middle of the pack. Uh, BetUS.com has him, I think, having like the 12th best odds of being named Coach of the Year, mm-hmm. which feels pretty accurate. Uh, not bad. He should be in a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, what do you think his chances are? And, and specifically, what do you think has to happen for him to kind of leapfrog those other 11 folks and get it? Mm. Well, he definitely has to wrangle up this team in a way where, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, every year we talk about how this team has potential, whether that be the Kyrie and Gordon team or the teams afterwards, where every time there's a piece that's brought in, you're like, oh, that makes sense. It's going to work. And then everyone that's a part of Celtics Nation ends up getting disappointed. So I think for Ime Udoka, he just needs to – I know at one point I mentioned that he should get them to the Eastern Conference Finals, but Damn. I don't think – I'm pretty sure I've said that, or maybe I'm just making that up now. But either way, I do think that would be a standard that's set for a team like this. Or obviously, like the playoffs don't even seem like enough anymore. And I think, unfortunately, that's because of – Brad Stevens' record as a coach, and every season that team was expected to get better and better, and it got to a point where it plateaued. So as of now, I guess playoffs will give him that, but overall they need to make it pretty far off in the East, but also in a way where even if they don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you look at this roster, they get a good amount of wins, they look really in sync, and clearly the team has the respect for him and is listening to the things that he says that shows on the floor that this team is together. And that's something I don't think we've seen. And again, nothing against Coach Stevens, the former Coach Stevens, but it did seem at one point towards the end of last season that the players were checked out, everyone was over it, no one really seemed motivated. But hearing the talk of surrounding Ime Odoka and his culture and the way that players have perceived him, the fact that Brad Stevens even consulted Jason and Jalen when making that hire shows that already they do respect him, but now we need to see how that respect translates on the floor and whether or not they're willing to listen to whatever he says, trust his experience and really let him run this team in a way that they can be a successful franchise. Not obviously not only for this season, but for seasons to come. Well, I, I, can, tell you right now, I can tell you right now, they will not listen to everything he says. And that, and that's no shame. That. You may, that's, that's yeah. just how players are with all. Which I'm sure he knows that after right. working in Brooklyn. To me, the, the key isn't so much, are they listening to him? Are they going to execute well enough to where that doesn't become an issue? Like yeah. if we're having, like for example, if we're having, and we, I mean, a player and a coach are having mm-hmm. a disagreement on the sideline, mm-hmm. and the coach is telling him, "I need you to do this," and they're like, "But I don't think that's going to work. I want to do that." Yep. If they go out there and figure out whichever lane they want to drive down and do that, and it mm-hmm. works, all's good. Yeah. If they decide to do uh, the Kyrie in Orlando. And it doesn't work, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work bad, and it doesn't work bad in a very critical moment of the game. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a lock, have a conversation in the locker room mm-hmm. if it becomes something more than just a kind of one offer. But for for Ime, I think for him to be a serious, legitimate coach of the year candidate, the Celtics are gonna have to finish in the top three in the East. 
Because to me, anything below that is not all that surprising. I mean, yeah. I can see the I can see things working out where they could finish fourth, which to me, I would say that is their ceiling. I can't see them okay. finishing any better than fourth. But if they could somehow wind up third and find themselves in the conversation with Brooklyn and Milwaukee most mm-hmm. of the season, that changes things dramatically. Because then all of a sudden you have a coach who's come in there and has clearly impacted winning in a positive way that his predecessor mm-hmm. did. Uh, when I was in Detroit, Rick Carlisle, his first year, his team was one of the crappiest teams on paper in the yeah. league that year. And all he did was go out there and win 50 games. And yeah. he easily, he was easily coach of the year because he won a freaking division with a team that wasn't even supposed to make the yeah. So Ime is going to need, I think, that type of season. And I think this team has that type of potential. But the one thing that people have to always keep in mind when you talk about accolades and, and awards and things like that, is somewhere along the line, some things have to break your way that you have no control over. That's true. Whether it's injuries, whether it's guys missing games for illnesses, whether mm-hmm. it's a guy that you had on your now. right, a guy on your roster that you didn't think would play that much, all of a sudden develops into a borderline all-star, a la Isaiah Thomas, who yeah. was, who was brought in to be a spark off the bench, who That's went on to become point. a three-time all-star. You're going to need some things that you have no plans on working out for you to work out for you. Mm. Uh, and I, I think there is that potential. But, again, there's that P word again. We're always talking about with these damn Celtics potential. Okay. Uh, we need some proven work. We need we need some progress. We need to see some playoff push beyond just the first or second round. Because those awards, tip, they come out before the playoffs yeah. officially get a kick in the gear. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to need to have significant regular season success to have mm-hmm. a shot. And I think he has a shot. I think it's a slim shot. But, again, the culture that he's coming from, the type of talent that he's inheriting, the type of players that Brad Stevens has kind of assembled him with, you feel as though that this team uh, isn't quite where you want them to be to win a championship. But mm-hmm. by no means are you at – you're not at scorched earth ground zero – with this team. Uh, this mm-hmm. isn't Cleveland. Uh, this isn't Houston. Uh, yeah. Great. Well, one of the two, great city. Uh, <laughs> but your, te- your, your team is definitely better than that. But you're not you're not a Brooklyn. You're not a Milwaukee. Uh, you know, you're not Phoenix, some of the elite teams either. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of elite, we we're talking about him earlier. Our good friend, Marcus Smart. Yes. Um, who, I, you know, from what I gather, wasn't all that crazy about how he went from being first-team All-NBA defense a year ago to this past season where there was no love at all. And obviously the team's record had something to do with that. But right now for Defensive Player of the Year, he's kind of, again, if you look talking about the top 25, top 30 players, he's somewhere in the middle, like like outside of the top 10, but in the top 15. Uh, I, I think you bet U.S. State – BetUS.com, they've got him, I think, 12th best odds of being the defensive player of the year. And what kind of season do you think Marcus Smart is going to have defensively for the Celtics? The easy answer is one that will be noteworthy. When you get paid the way that he did and you have this pressure now, like you mentioned, to be a facilitator, your coach is looking to you to really help lead this team. He has no choice but to be – at least a contender for defensive player of the year, because we all have seen what he's capable of. And when Jalen got paid, when Jason got paid, 
we saw them immediately step up their game. And now, now Marcus has to take lead and follow suit the way that these two have and really prove to the Celtics that the investment that they made in him is worth it, was worth it. And I think he's capable of doing it. I think he will be motivated to do it now that he's gotten his check, but obviously can't keep going with this P word potential. You have to really step up and do it. But what about you? Marcus will be top five in defensive player of your vote this year. Yeah. I, I have absolutely no doubt about yeah. that. I, I think he's going to come in motivated like he's never been motivated yeah. before. And I think the, the, the X factor in all of this is I, Brad Stevens has always had a high level of trust for Marcus Smart. Mm. But there's something different about Udoka that I mm. think is going to give Marcus that little extra oomph to get over that hump and become a significantly bigger impact player than we've seen. And I think part of it is the fact that Udoka is asking him to evolve his game and become better at a part of the game that is critical to success, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. And Marcus, his competitive nature is going to help him become a better facilitator. His competitive nature is going to help him become a better defender. And I think having Udoka as the head coach, I think it's going to, frankly, reintroduce these guys to what got them wins back in the day. Marcus's defense was just kind of, it, it spilled over into the play of all those around him. We mm-hmm. didn't see that as much last season. And I think part of that was because Tatum was in this ascension toward greatness and his defense, I thought, suffered in, in that journey. Jalen Brown, I, you know, I think a very good two-way defensive player when he's fully locked in. I didn't think he was as locked in at that end of the floor as we've seen him in past years because mm-hmm. there's so many parts of his game that were evolving and, and improving and getting better at the offensive end of the floor that I thought that that improvement was a detriment to what he can do as a defender. Udoka mm-hmm. seems to come in here with a very, y'all need to get it done on the defensive end of the floor, Yeah. period. I don't give a damn how many buckets you get. If you're good, you're going to get buckets regardless, but you need to defend at a, at a much higher level. And I think Marcus is going to be kind of almost the poster child of what this team needs to be. I thought there were too many stretches last year where they did not follow Marcus's lead. And I'm talking about just Jason and Jay, and I'm talking about the team in general. Uh, when you have one player who has one very specific strength that time has proven over and over and over and over again, is a key to winning at the highest levels. And then you kind of decide to veer away from that a little bit. That's on you. You need to, you, you need to understand what it takes to be great in this league. And again, points can win you games. Defense wins you championships. It's really not that complicated. And I think that they're going to get back to to being that type of team. And Marcus is going to have a big part in that. And I think they will be competitive and they will finish better than, you know, barely getting into the playoffs. I think they'll be in that four, five, six range when all really four five. I, I expect them to be four for fifth seed in the East, which will be, I think a little bit better than they're projected to be by most. Uh, and Marcus will have a lot to do with that. And the ability of his teammates to follow his lead and embrace mm-hmm. what he brings to the game. Now that he's making their kind of money. Yeah. It's, 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 a, listen, it's a completely different ball game. Yep. <laughs> Walking to the club with your boys. And you know that, they live in your hood now. He don't mm-hmm. live. He don't live in the south side of. Hey. <laughs> he don't live. He lives. He got Wellesley money. He got that Wellesley Waltham, Newton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that I think 
they look at him. I think they're going to look at him a little bit differently and without realizing that they're looking at him differently. Uh, yeah. and it's going to feel like them, like, like a muscle memory thing, but truth be told, they weren't looking at him like that this past season. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how all this is going to come together. Because again, I, I think Marcus Smart is going to be so pivotal to what this team does. If they're going to have the kind of unexpected run that I think some Celtic fans certainly are hoping for, I, I honestly believe that Marcus is, is going to be a big part of that with what he does defensively and what he does as a playmaker. Because to me, his defense has to be better than what we saw last season. And his teammates have to respond better to his defense than they did. And his playmaking is going to be critical because if he's able to do that at an elite level or not even elite level at an above average level, uh, that, that change, that's a major shift in how you approach the Celtics because now all of a sudden you got a guy, if he's setting up, you got to defend him a little bit differently. And if you've got to press up on Marcus, he's already shown the ability with his strength to hit you with the floater. Uh, he's already shown his ability to get in the lane and dish off to Robert Williams, who's going to be running to the rim, running to the basket. So I'm looking forward to what big money Marcus has in store <laughs> for the game this season. Um, one more thing I wanted to jump in. Now, a couple more things. But one more thing I wanted to jump into for sure was about the Celtics. And we talked about just kind of where they're going to stack up in the East. And I kind of think they're going to be – like I said, four or five, I think, is is, is realistic. Uh, six, seven would not be surprising. A little disappointing to me, but not surprising. I know BetUS.com, they've got them as having the seventh best odds of coming out of the East. And I'm just curious. Um, and 13th best odds of winning it all, which, again, I'm, I was a little surprised. That's more impressive. Yeah, that's, that is definitely so, really Just curious. What, I mean, when you think about this team and, and just kind of what, the, what their ceiling looks like, what does that look like to you? Well, when you talked about what their what Ime Udoka's standard for success should be and them being in that three or four range in the East, I think seven's a little low. I think seven is a reasonable number when you look at this roster and you're going based off of, the teams that we see on paper right now, but I do think that the Celtics <laughs> take a shot every time you hear the word potential. Damn it. Every time- <laughs> when you look at what this team is capable of, though, they should be a little bit higher up. But <laughs> I have nothing to drink. But I'm not gonna I tell you what was in that cup. Water. I hope. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. We take shots of water here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about those odds? I, I think that they're uh, – well, seven, I, I think, is based upon how they're perceived on paper. Yeah. Uh, I think that's 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 not that bad. Yeah. Um, I think they'll be better than that. I, I think that there's some teams that they could potentially um, surpass uh, and get into that four or five conversation. Atlanta, I think, is a great team on paper. But here's the thing. This is the first time a lot of their best players are got paid. And I don't know how they're going to handle that. I don't know how John Collins is going to deal with being big money John Collins. Mm -hmm. Now, Trey Young, I think, is going to do what Trey Young does. But there's some other guys on that roster. Again, money has a way of changing, folks. I've heard that. I I, I would certainly like to find out what that feels like with their kind of money. But in Boston – with the Celtics, we've seen what money has done to their players. And, and again, I think it's a great thing. Like, again, yeah. as you pointed out earlier, Tatum, Brown, you haven't seen that contract-itis kick in. 
with them. Yes, yeah. And I've seen contract items through the years, and it ain't pretty. Guys yeah. ball, it's like guys ball out, they get the contract, and then they're just like, hmm, all right, we're good. That should be the title of this episode. <laughs> exactly. I like that one. <laughs> so the contract itis does not, they seem, the Celtics seem to have the vaccine against contract itis. Mm. And so I'm, I don't know if the Atlanta Hawks do. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and you start looking at some of these other teams, I don't know if they understand that contract itis is real. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a culture that's built to embrace guys getting big contracts and, and being able to still play at a high level, yeah. you're going to have problems. And so, All that money will be in Magic City. Yeah. Real. And not on the floor. Real. That's, that's, that's keeping it 100, Kwani. I don't know what you know about Magic City, but <laughs> from what I heard, the wings are good. Not what, from what you heard. Good. We keep it real on this podcast, Sharad. Lemon and pepper wings are good from what I hear. From what he's heard. From what I hear. Shout the out to Williams. Lemon and pepper wings, Williams. Great minds. Um, but I, yeah, but I, I think I think they'll be better than than seventh in in the East. I I, I do, and and I think part of it will be that some teams will come down with contract itis. Mm-hmm. Guys will start looking at the the dollar signs instead of looking at the at the defender in front of them, and and just frankly mm-hmm. just not play their best, even though now they got paid. Um, but regardless, the games have to go on, and the Celtics, you know, their schedule came out I think about a week or two ago, and there's a lot of good games, a lot of good games. Um. I am looking forward to well, Ashley. You know, I'm going to let you tell me what you which game you're looking forward to because I don't want to steal you. Thing. I think you you said this on a previous episode, the season opener, obviously, against New York at Madison Square Garden. Kemba Walker, Boston Celtics. Kemba's motivated to play in New York. That's going to be a fun one overall. There are so many more, but that's it's exciting when the first game makes you already look forward to the season. And then they everything did, else that yeah. follows will be a result of how they perform in that game. <laughs> they did a good job of lining that up. Um, Absolutely. I, I tell you what, though, the t- the game. I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm also looking forward to seeing them play the Milwaukee Bucks. And yeah. you always look forward to seeing how you fare against the champs. But yeah. Milwaukee, I mean, they're champions, but they don't seem to get the respect. That Absolutely not. I mean, people looking at Giannis like you know you didn't. People really still don't respect team. Giannis. There, there's no That's respect for Giannis. Yeah. None for him and his crew. Never mind the fact that you know the biggest move they made was getting Drew Holiday, and when they won the chip, guess who was a big difference in them winning the chip? Drew freaking Holiday. Yep. So, I, I thought the front office did a great job of putting together the right pieces to win a championship. And, mm-hmm. and shout out to to the Bucks in general for for getting it done. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how will the Celtics deal with them because the bucks whether you agree or disagree with them being champs they're the standard that every team has to measure themselves up against because they're the ones that are wearing the championship belt they're the ones that if you are it's, it, to me it's, it's it's like ww you know it's like like wrestling back in the day you got to beat the one with the belt before you can call yourself the champ you can be all these other scrubs around here because they all trying to get the same thing that you are. It's that belt. Yeah. And until you show that you can beat that team, that man with that crew, mm-hmm. you're just another. You're just another one in the hunt. You're just, you're just another one in the woods with a gun, looking to shoot, looking to shoot down the hunting. That's right. all you are. You are nothing more than that. And so I, I think that that game is going to really tell me a lot about where this team is at, and specifically how they approach that game. 
I mean, yeah. are they going to approach it the way, oh, this is just another regular season game against, yeah. you know, the, the, the Bucks, you know? Are they going to be looking like, yo, we got to beat oh, their yeah. ass? Because yeah. Giannis, he got that chip. We want yeah. that chip. I mean, the, the trophy they get is called the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Is there a better city in the world where the Larry O'Brien, O'Brien, O'Brien trophy should be in Boston? Come on now. That's a really good point. I've never heard that one before. Come on now. So to me, I'm hoping that they get hyped for that game. I'm hoping yeah. that they don't come out and say, well, you know, it's just one of 82. I want Jason to be like, look, we want to win this game badly because they didn't mm -hmm. chance. We need to send them a message. And you, you know, coming you, for you. you go back and forth about whether you can send messages in the regular season or not. Yeah. It's not about sending messages. It's more about planting seeds. You yes. want to plant seeds of doubt. If mm -hmm. I beat you by 25 points on Christmas, you're going to remember that next time you mm -hmm. see me. And yeah. if the next time you see me, I beat you again, but maybe by 10, my seeds I planted when I whipped your ass by 25 are coming to harvest. Because now I don't need to I don't need to play a great game to beat you. I just beat you by 10 and I didn't play a great game. So now you are having serious doubts about what's gonna happen if you have to lock in and play. Me. Yeah, you are trying to plant seeds. You ain't trying, you're not trying to bring in a whole bushel and get in that one game. You're trying to plant seeds for the future. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping the Celtics approach the Bucks with that type of mindset that we need to plant some seeds of doubt in that team so that when we do see them in the playoffs, because I think they will. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be as confident about should be as defending champs. I have some level of doubt if we handle our business in the regular season and beat them in a multitude of ways. So there you go. Good point. I like it. So Kwani. Yes. Always got something going on outside <laughs> of the podcast. Yes. What's the latest and greatest on the Kwani playlist outside <laughs> okay, of bars? Wait. Bars, we didn't even get to Donda. We have to quickly go through Donda. You see that setup though, Corny. You see that setup. Did you do that on purpose? Because what if I didn't pick up on it? You, but see, but that's Corny. We got the relay going okay. here. I don't gotta okay. look. It's all a right. look. All you gotta do is put the hand out. I'm gonna put it there. You're Just gonna grab it and run. Just like <laughs> that. Boom. Favorite song on Donda. Um that's hard. Really? It's hard. Um, I would I mean, the, the, the one with, it was like, it was him, Jay-Z and one other person. Um, oh, it's the beginning of the album. Let me see. Yeah. yeah. That was oh, my jail? favorite. Is that jail? Yes. Jail yeah. was good. I, I, I like I, jail. I, yeah. Yeah. That was probably my favorite one on there. There was so many Kwani that just had me wondering like, yo, what is this brother smoking? Um, cause I don't want to be near it. <laughs> I, I did feel that on some of them. I do agree. For me, it was No Child Left Behind, though. I really like that one. Eh. You didn't like it? It was all right. Dang. Here's the thing about, about Donda that just kind of threw me. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of references to the Bible and God, and I think mm -hmm. that's cool. I, I, yeah. I really do. I think that's very cool. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of sometimes it's not so much the message that gets twisted, the it's the messenger. And uh, that was kind of, my, I mean, a lot of his songs, like I'm looking through the play, I'm looking through the list now. Um, remote Control wasn't bad. Oh, yeah. Remote Control was good. Um, Jesus Lord, I thought was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Jail, like I said, Jail was my favorite. Jail, one and two was good. It just has yeah, slight differences one, on them, yeah. Two with the baby, I thought was, was really good. Yeah, I like the baby's race. And 
that's another one that again yeah i don't I, know if I'm I, Maybe yeah, sure. I, I felt you know that real talk when i was downloading that one yeah i almost stopped it in mid download because okay understandable it, i just have issues with the baby um, yeah no as and, and I, I feel like i'm one of millions of people out there yes. who got issues with the baby and, and which is why people were upset because during his performance i think it was in las vegas yeah brought out the baby and marilyn manson who for me that was what was my red flag because i'm like this album you're now proclaiming your faith and this man literally is the complete opposite of what the christianity yeah. that you're claiming is so that's what kind of didn't really sit well with me but yeah. he did bring him out during the song do you know anyone that needs jesus so and, and you know what and, is that and the maybe, message? <laughs> maybe maybe that was his way of just trying to convert him or, or yeah. be enlightened but again right. that's giving, that's giving like that too much credit that's giving right. him way too much credit for thinking that far ahead or right, thinking that spiritually yeah um, but uh but to your point, the part that you mentioned about the message versus the messenger, if anything, I was, I had the complete opposite reaction because when you look at Christianity, a lot of times it's more of like Jesus hung out with the people that were the rejects and the ones that you wouldn't generally look to as a messenger. Jesus himself wasn't really respected. So I understand your point, but then there's also part of me that says, all right, Kanye is having his spiritual awakening. He clearly, as you said, a lot of people are looking at him as though he's lost it in ways, but he is just trying to share what he's experienced. But a lot of people aren't taking it well because it's like, all right, you've done this. There's a political aspect. I know a lot of people are upset about that part. Him just, you know, now in the process of getting divorced to Kim Kardashian. There are so many problems when you look at his life, but I think he epitomizes what it looks like when you've been saved, so to speak. So yeah. I get, I get a, both sides. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because, yeah. and, and again, we, we're not going to go into like Bible study here. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm ready, but not, but, not today. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, you, you, I mean you, you look at the book of Luke, for example, where there's a, a woman who's a prostitute who washes Jesus' feet. Mm -hmm. Now, that's just not what someone not who's okay. and mighty will allow to happen. So to your right. point, Tony, I, I get it. You know what? That's, that's a really, really good point. That's a really good point. Um, and yeah we yeah we we <laughs> we gotta start another podcast <laughs> the, the jesus light podcast starring Asia. right <laughs> um no this was good so so we've had our kanye moment yes to answer your actual question at the beginning i'm still on the hub today thankfully they still like me on there i'm kidding shout out to everyone at nbc 10 boston now for real i I'm finishing up the mayoral candidate series. So on Tuesday, we talked to Andrea Campbell. Well, we recapped the conversation with Andrea Campbell. Wednesday, we talked to John Barrows. And that ends off the series. If you missed it, you can actually go to my Twitter, Kwani A. Lunas on Twitter. And I made a thread of all of the recaps that we did. And I have the link there, too, so you can catch all of the interviews if you really are interested in learning about the candidates that are running for mayor, if you are in Boston. That's fun. And then until that, after that's over, I'll still be on the Hub today doing all sorts of other things, but that's to come. We're still planning out what segments I'll be in moving forward. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Kwani, as you can see, has a full plate of yeah. stuff going on, which is good, which is yeah. good. Which is good. Uh, let me see, what do we got going this week? Okay, um, more stuff for Bleach Report, working on some mm -hmm. long-term uh, projects with them. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the off season here, and also uh, writing a weekly column for Ebony.com. And I think this week I'm going to be writing about a para uh, Paralympic athlete yeah. that okay. we all need to know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can, I'm not going to say who. Okay. But she's she's a real one. Uh, I'm going to so, read it. I'll be writing about her and just some of the, the her story. Uh, there's that, and I'm getting back into the swing of things with the teaching uh, thing this week. This will be the first week we'll be back in class. Uh, my students. In will, uh, what's that? In person? Yeah, we're going to do it in person. So that's going to be different. That's going to be interesting. Uh, and I'm actually putting the final touches on the syllabus, uh, and I will have various speakers come in. Kwani doesn't know it yet, but she'll be one of them in the month of September. You're telling me. <laughs> so now you know, Kwani. Yeah, uh, in September. Uh, and, and just looking forward to getting through this summer and getting back to the season. Training camp's going to be here, you know, for the for the Celtics and the NBA before you know it. And I can't wait because uh, this I we're going to be back in the building more so than we were this past year. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to moving a little bit closer to pre pandemic normal in mm-hmm. terms of NBA coverage and, and things yeah. like that. So um, lots of good stuff coming up. Yeah. And before I forget, let's make sure you get a chance to visit our good friends at BetUS.com and take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Uh, again, check out the website, uh, BetUS.com. And that number, once again, is 1-800-79-BETUS, B-E-T-U-S. Uh, check them out. Sign up. Make some money. Yeah. We're all about the money. <laughs> Yes, we are. And we are all out of time. Oh, my goodness. We Uh, did it. We did it again. Episode (laughs) 38 is in the books. I'm glad you're counting because I have lost track. That's a good thing. Because if you were keeping because if you were keeping track, like how many we do this week? We got 36, 34, 22. No, 38. (laughs) Um, We are at 38 and counting. Uh, So keep it going uh, with the five star reviews and all the fun stuff. Yes. Uh, I challenge you all to send this episode to a friend, whether they like Kanye West or basketball or odds, whatever. Send it to one friend. Just do that. We got a little bit of, we literally hit a little bit of everything this week. Yeah. Gambling, Some will like it. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked about, you know, we, we, we did a little bit of everything this week. So good job, Corny. Thanks. Go. Good job, Sherrod. I know. Um, <laughs> all good. All good. Well, that's it for another edition of the A-List Podcast. Ace Rob Blakely, Kwani A. Lunas, we are out. <laughs>